Happy New Year! So, um, not only first Sunday of the year, first Sunday of the decade. Can you believe it? Um, and uh, as has already been said, you know, the start of the year uh, is a time for New Year's resolutions and new habits uh, and all of uh, that. So, um, I've got my uh, handsome uh, assistant here. Before, before we talk about uh, the sermon and dive in, um, I, I came across, whoops, whoops, hopefully you didn't see that. Um, I came across uh, a list of the top 10 most common New Year's resolutions. And so um, here's what's going to happen. If you can put your hand up and tell me one of them, then you will get a, a, a prize. Wow, okay, all the hands are up. Now, just before, before I call anyone out, obviously if your New Year's resolution is not to have chocolate in January, that's the prize. So, so you probably don't want to you know, answer, but um, alright, so hands still up. Alright, Kendra at the back, so what, tell me one of them. To eat healthy, well done, yes. And uh, eat healthy, you've got, yeah, so that's sort of second one on the list. Uh, go to the gym. Go to the gym, absolutely, yep, so that's uh, another one. Okay. Uh, to drink less alcohol, is that on here? Uh, it's not actually on here, um, not, on, not on this uh, list. Uh, so all the Save money, spend less money, yep, that's all on the, the list. Um, JP? Lose weight, yes, that is also on the list. Stop, yeah, quit smoking, actually, is also number seven. Okay, so. Sleep earlier is not on this list. Travel, yes, travel more is on the list. Okay, and Joseph at the back. Stop forgetting. Stop forgetting. That's a good one. Not on this list. Uh, okay. Read more is on this list. Yeah, well done. Um, Caleb at the back. Sleep more isn't on this list. Yes. Wow, okay. Now, that's not on this list, but that deserves a chocolate anyway. So, uh, um, stealing some of my points. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, go ahead. Financial freedom, so I'll give you that. That's part of yeah, saving more, um, yeah. spending less money, and I want pray more. Pray more. And again, oh, again, the chocolate. You just know how to get the chocolates. You figure out how to get the chocolates. Spend more time with family and friends. Yes, and so I'm gonna one more. Go for it. New job. 
Well, so I'll, I'll give you that in that it's uh, you've got learn a new skill or hobby or so. So I'll give you I'll give you that that one. Um, okay, last one. Add a punctuality. Uh, so it's not on this list, but that will certainly help if you're trying to get a new job. So punctual uh, uh, two things. So uh, that that's that's it. I'm going to show you uh, the list. So this was it, so we had exercise more, lose weight, get organized, learn a new skill or hobby, live life to the fullest, which is really interesting, save more money, spend less, quit smoking, spend more time with family, friends, travel more, read more. Um, now this one, live life to the fullest, is a really interesting one for us because um, as many of you know if you're here on Friday or you... Um, we're here at the end of uh, the year. We've started um, a new series, two months, um, and, and that new series is uh, Kingdom Come. And Jesus was very much about life to the full, right? Jesus in John 10.10 10 said, I have come so that you may have life to the full. And if your resolution is to live life to the fullest, uh, then you are in the right place. Now, then there comes a, a bit of a challenge, and I'll mention that in a minute. But this is our series, Kingdom Come. Uh, we're, we're diving deep into Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which uh, many of you know is uh, considered the Sermon on the Mount. And, and Jesus laying out some describers, his manifesto. At the end of last year, we had the elections, and the different parties were laying out their manifesto, what are they about? Why should you vote for them? Um, as we dive deep into Matthew 5, 6, and 7 over the next two months, we're getting to hear about the heart of Jesus and why we should choose him and invest time with him over not only this year, but uh, the rest of our lives. So, um, while we're working on uh, technology, um, is it that working now? Yes, it is. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. So, um, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' manifesto, some say it's you know, the ethics of the kingdom, standards of the kingdom. Um, idealism, uh, but very much the heart um, of God. And this is where the challenge comes uh, for, for me. Um, because, you know, anyone that knows me, you, and knows me well, I, I'm typically about, you know, motivation and inspiration and transformation and, you know, let's go change the world. And, um, and then I'm asked to uh, speak on this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And of all of the um, sermons that I've ever preached, this has actually been the hardest one um, to uh, prepare to, to think about for, for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, last, 
I felt like I've been preparing this sermon for the last five years. Um, specifically because my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's five years ago. And, and it's been an incredibly challenging uh, five years. Last year was particularly uh, difficult and, and those were at Wellington Country Park, I shared a bit there. And this Christmas was, was even more um, challenging and I'm going to share a bit about that. Um, shortly. But um, the, the title of this, so we're focusing on Matthew 54, and, and the title of the sermon really is A Deep Sadness, Eternal Joy. Deep Sadness, Eternal Joy. Um, this is the, the second beatitude. Um, Malcolm introduced uh, the, the series on Friday and, and the first one, so you can go online and, and listen to that introduction, so um, I'll try not to cover too much um, of that. Um, but Jesus says here, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is the second one. And I ask myself, why did Jesus say this? First of all, why, why blessed? And we'll talk a bit about that. Why those who mourn? You know, the, the wisest philosophers, when you read uh, their work, they were all about happiness. Um, they were about that uh, living life to the full. But when we look at what Jesus says, there's a, a real paradox here in the way that we find that life um, to the full. And so why does he say we should mourn and, and how are we comforted? And I want to explore um, those today. Now, first of all, uh, blessed. You know, the, the word blessed, it's the Greek word uh, makarios, which, which means just supremely uh, blessed. It, it's just being well off. It, it's a happy, blissful life to the full that really isn't linked to our circumstances, but it's an internal a happiness, a self-contained happiness that has nothing to do with what's uh, going on. And, and so when, when the people around Jesus would have heard this, they'd say, wow, he's starting in the right place. We want to hear some, we want some of this. We want to be blessed. We want to live life to the full. We want to have a great year. We want to have a great decade. So Jesus has clearly started right for most people. But then he goes on and says, to get this, We've got to mourn. And you know, there are different ways that, that people mourn and, and different reasons that we mourn. You know, sometimes we mourn, say in my case, uh, uh, a mom who is uh, slowly dying before uh, our very eyes and uh, dealing with the pain of that. Sometimes we mourn our own personal health or we mourn uh, not having a job and financial troubles and struggles. Uh, we mourn uh, not getting the presents that we wanted over uh, Christmas. That might be something uh, that you uh, have mourned. Uh, but you know what Jesus was talking about here uh, was a much deeper mourning. In Ecclesiastes, it's a much deeper mourning. It's a mourning for our sin. Um, it's a mourning for 
uh, the sin of the, the world. It's a mourning for the state of our world. Um, it, it's a, a mourning, just this, a continual grief um, in our minds, a soberness about ourselves, about the world, about the challenges uh, that we go through. A soberness that even for Christians, that even with the grace that we receive, it can still be very hard to, to love and to love people around us and, and to love God. A soberness that on the one hand we can be righteous and in the same moment we can struggle with uh, just attitudes and bitterness. And, um, and I talked about uh, Christmas and we, it was a real battle for um, me in particular with what we do with mum over the Christmas. Um, it, it's been so much harder when she comes to our home to care for her, to uh, look after her. I, I battle with, in, in the same moment, a deep sadness at looking at mum who I loved that not be able to do anything for herself and we got to help her with her, her clothes and, and washing and, and eating and, and so there's, there's a compassion and at the same time a resentment and anger, a frustration and annoyance and, um, but we had decided that, that we'd have her over uh, the Christmas uh, break and on Christmas Eve, my sister put her on a train from Clapham Junction to Farnborough, two stops, um, Woking in between and Farnborough. We thought, we think we've mitigated the risks. This is easy. Just two stops, Woking and Farnborough. Just two stops. You know where this is going. <laughs> and so I'm waiting, I'm waiting at uh, Farnborough. I go with Zikora, our second son. And, and um, my sister called and said, yeah, mom's on the train, she's on the sixth carriage, and get to Farnborough and ask the attendant there, okay, can I go through the barriers, my mom's on the train, and, and go through, and, and then, you know, the train approaches, and I'm expecting to sit, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, yep, there you go, and I'm looking, and think, okay, she's not on that, maybe she's on the fifth or the seventh, and so, run to the 5th and then to the 7th and she's not on that and then I go to uh, the uh, garden and say my mom's meant to be on the train somewhere and so I run up and, and down and then after a couple of minutes you know, the guard says I I've got to go, you know, maybe she's on the next one and then at this point I'm fuming, I'm frustrated, I'm not sure what's going on and try to get hold of my mom and can't get hold of her. She Unfortunately, she doesn't really know how to answer her phone anymore. She's gone, but she doesn't really know how to answer it. And, and then I call my sister and say, Mom's not on the train. Where is she? And she's trying to call. And then eventually we get hold of um, my mom. And, and if you know anything about Alzheimer's, hey, they haven't a clue what's going on. And so I say, Mom, where are you? She said, oh, you know, just on the train to my sister's. Uh, you're meant to be coming to me? Um, it's like, oh, oh, where are you? Oh, I don't know. And, and, and at this point, you know, I'm uh, losing it and, um, and shouting uh, down the phone 
to us, okay, find someone and tell them to, you know, ask them where you are and, and then eventually get how to get off at one of the stations and say, okay, wait for me there, I'm coming to get you. And, and then she says, oh, are you there? I said, no, of course I'm not there. You, you were meant to be at Fargren. And, um, and it was just, and then after a while she got off and then I couldn't get hold of her at all. Um, and I thought, I have no idea where she is now. And her tracker, we got a tracker for her, the battery had um, died. And, and so it was just one of those, I'm thinking, Christmas Eve, really? God, what are you doing? Um, and, and, and that's just been one of many incidents uh, that's happened uh, last year. And, and for me, it was definitely um, a time of, of mourning, of mourning not only what's happening to my mum, but even just mourning my own inability to, to handle it. And to, to handle it well and to handle it with um, a, a compassion. And then I get into this cycle of guilt and oh, man, I'm a terrible son. And, and it's just, it's really, really tough. In, in Ecclesiastes 7 2, Ecclesiastes says, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of uh, feasting. You know, we don't like difficult things in, in life. And, and that's one of the things that I've realized. And I don't like difficult things. When I signed up for being a Christian, so to speak, and you know, said, Jesus is Lord of my life, I kind of had this naive view that, um, well, all's well with my soul now. Actually, no, all's well with life. It's going to be incredible. You know, great friendships, you know, love the kingdom, love church, and, you know, yeah, though, okay, there'll be some difficulties, but, but not a lot. And, and the reality is that we still live in a world of pain. Um, and so I start you know, Jesus, what, why, why do we have to mourn? And I think part of it is because we live in a world where there is pain. And as I've wrestled with, with, with this, just with a lot of my own sadness, a lot of my own sin, a lot of my own inadequacy, a lot of my own um, just pain and, and hurt, there's been just a couple of insights and lessons that, that God has um, taught me that, that I want to share with you in, in a short while, just three in, in particular. You know, but before that, in, in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10, you know, another way of thinking about mourning is sorrow. And we, can, we can mourn in a way that is healthy, that is godly. And Paul says when we mourn in, in that sort of way, it brings repentance. When, when we see our sin, when we see our inadequacy, and don't shy away from it, but turn to, to God. Um, you know, the, the first uh, beatitude is that pouring spirit. And this really builds on that, just yeah. seeing, hey, man, I'm so inadequate. And it brings a sorrow. It brings a... a a hurt and a pain about just the reality of who we are. And when we allow that 
turn us to God. That brings salvation that the Bible says leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Because we look at all of that, and we look at the pain of the world, we look at the inadequacy of our lives, and instead of turning to God, we try and ignore it. And it leads to death. Yeah, Phil, you know, God's been teaching me this, that godly sorrow comes as we see the world as it really is. I would love, you know, as I said before, I'm typically about, you know, inspiration and motivation, and, and I'd love to just say, hey, it's going to be incredible this year. This year, everyone's going to have their best year ever, no challenges, no difficulties. That just wouldn't be reality. And the Bible is... in. Incredible in the sense that it doesn't gloss over reality. Jesus is very clear um, that there is pain in this world. And so godly sorrow comes as, as we see the world as it really is, as we see ourselves as we really are, and as we see God as he really is. Um, and here's the first you know, insight that God, I feel like God's been teaching me. It's... You know, God isn't in the business of giving us a pain-free life. I wish he was, but he isn't. And what Jesus says, you know, hey, blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. It's, you know, he could have said, hey, you're blessed, and I'll just comfort you. No, there will be pain in this life. In John 16, 33, Jesus says, you know, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world... You will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. You know, Alice prayed at the start and at the end of the year, there were a lot of people, and, and still, who've lost loved ones, who are going through health challenges. Um, it is, it's a sobering reality of living in uh, a fallen world. Um, here's uh, from the Princess Bride, so a modern day, you know, inspiration of philosopher, uh, says this, life is pain, your highness, anyone who says differently is selling something. You know, with the, the gospel, uh, when, we don't gloss over anything as Christians, we're not trying to sell a perfect life if you become a christian hey everything is going to be easy and everything is going to be smooth and everything is going to work out for you and you'll have all the money you'll need and all the health you'll need and all the friends you need that just isn't the case you don't even come to a perfect church um, we're all uh, working things through and we upset and we get things wrong and we think we figured things out and then we haven't and and we're learning and we have to humble ourselves and learn and grow and um, that's just the reality of uh, the Christian faith. Now if all of this is sounding you know, sobering and heavy, um, uh, it is, it really is. And this is what I've been battling recently, uh, just in, you know, just with, with mom and, and hoping for for healing or hoping things would be easier. Another challenge for me last year was a work transition and 
And we had some really challenging times financially. And again, looking to God, you know, where are you? You know, that promise, you promised to look after us. And but God didn't promise that it would be easy. But again, though, as I've wrestled with this, and as we look at Scripture, here's another thing that God's been teaching me. So whilst he isn't in the business of giving us a pain-free life, he is in the business of teaching us how to turn our lemons into lemonade and make some sort of sweetness out of it. And the incredible thing is, Jesus himself went through a lot of the struggles and the challenges that we have gone through and makes himself available to help us navigate those challenges and navigate um, that pain. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. We don't have a high priest who is perfect and disappointed every time we fall down and says, you derelicts, I mean, I died for you and you can't even figure this stuff out. No. We have a high priest who, who empathizes with our weaknesses. You know, we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are. And yet he did not sin. And so we should approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, James builds on this and says we should actually consider it pure joy when we face trials, when we go through those things that cause us to mourn because it tests our faith and when our faith is tested it produces perseverance and that enables us to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I wonder if when Jesus was saying, oh, blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted, the part of it is, in your mourning, there is a resilience, there is a perseverance, there is a, a strength, an inner strength that you are developing that is not linked to circumstances, that enables you to ride storms in ways that most people won't. You know, mourning, going through mourning, going through difficult times, going through suffering, it matures our faith. It matures our faith because we've got to hold on even when we can't see light at the end of uh, the tunnel. In Romans 8, Paul says, hey, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding. For us, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. 
knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, it's morning is actually incredibly helpful for our soul. It's incredibly helpful for us to have a resilient life. And I'm realizing slowly, very slowly, just the incredible wisdom behind what Jesus says and, and his heart. Because truth is, naturally, for me to have a great year, I don't want the difficulties. They can go. Just give me a great year. I'd rather, if it's a choice, great year, no difficulties. And yet, the truth is, to have a, a live life to the full, we need that ability to be able to navigate those uh, challenges. That there's a principle um, called, or paradox called the Stockdale Paradox. Some of you might have come across it if you've read. Uh, oh well, yeah, okay. yeah. Amen. We won't say another. Oh, no, it is a paradox. We won't say that. Another paradox. A guy called um, uh, James Stockdale. He was um, in the navy. <laughs> Uh, uh, Jim Collins writes about him in his book, uh, Good to Great. And he was in uh, the Navy um, during the time of the Vietnam War. And uh, he was a se senior, uh, one of the most senior ranking officers to be captured and to be a prisoner of war. And he was tortured um, in incredibly cruel ways. And he had a conversation with um, Jim Collins afterwards and just talked about the people who survived, the POWs who survived the, the torture and the brutality um, in the camp. And when Jim asked him, who were those that didn't make it out? He said, that's easy. It was the optimists. Because the optimists, they, they would say, hey, um, Okay, yeah, I know we've been captured, but, but we'll be out by Christmas. And, and, and then they weren't out by Christmas. And then it's, okay, Easter, we'll be out by Easter. And then they weren't out by Easter. Oh, summer, we'll be out by summer. And they weren't out by summer and before. And then they said, okay, we'll be out by Thanksgiving. And, and then they weren't out by Thanksgiving. And before they knew it, they had died of a broken heart. And he said, you know, those that made it were those that had a hope. They, they had a hope. But they faced up to the reality. And they said, hey, we have no clue. Now, we, we know, you know, they're coming for us, but we have no clue when. It may be months. It may be years. It may be decades. Wow. <laughs> you know, I look at that and I think of the incredible wisdom of what Jesus says here. He started off saying blessed. He wants us to live life to the full. And as we dive deep into you know, Matthew 5, 6, 7, it's all about us living life to the full. But, but we're going to hear things that are a paradox, that we've got to mourn in order to receive that comfort. And that mourning strengthens us in ways that we haven't realized on the inside. 
And then what we get then is comfort. And it's not just the comfort that's you know, that a pat on the back and, hey, you know, nice or nice year or, or even just a short-term comfort, chocolate or whatever the case may be. But it's a deep comfort, a deep sense of hope. Partially here in this life, a hope from the God of all comfort, from Christ the comforter, from the spirit of, of God, you know, from the scriptures and from those around us. Um, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 1, you know, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in it so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You know, I think of the comfort that I've had um, from, you know, the likes of JP and Rose. And you know what's interesting is JP's mum went through uh, something similar probably about 10, 15 years ago. Um, and somehow what he's learned and the comfort that he's received and what he and Rose worked through, we're benefiting from that now. And when we mourn and when we receive comfort from God through people around us, um, we're able to comfort others. Yeah. Yeah, just a final insight here as we wrap up. You know, God isn't in the business of giving us a pain-free life, he, but he is in the business of teaching us to turn lemons into lemonade. And finally, he is in the business of making all things new. And, and that's encouraging, because life is full of pain and struggle. And yet in Revelations 21, at the end of all of this, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God, a dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Amen. Yeah, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. As we go into this year, as we prepare for... A year ahead that no doubt all of us want to be a year where we live life to the fullest. Um, let's bear these, um, just some truths about God that will help us have a great year in spite of whatever circumstances we may face. That God isn't in the business of giving us a pain-free life. That's true. That's reality. But he will help us turn that pain and make it useful and yeah. make it beneficial somehow for us and to comfort those around us. But the beauty of it all is that he is making all things new. And we may not see that in our lifetime, but he is making all things new. And that gives us a hope. Uh, that gives us a resilience 
and in a weird sort of way, helps us to have a much better year than we could have even if everything was uh, perfect. Um, thanks so much for listening. Hope that's been